Welcome to Exposed. Real people, real stories, uncensored. You'll hear it all, as well as secrets from your host, Samantha X. Lisa Greenberg is one of my best friends. We met almost five years ago in recovery. Lisa is the wife of one of Australia's top sport bosses, Todd Greenberg, former CEO of the NRL and now CEO of Australian Cricketers Association. Lisa is a mum. She has a sports science degree. She's a fitness coach and a life coach. She's also the face of recovery for women over 40. Having battled an alcohol addiction for years, she is now almost five years sober and she has helped me in my own recovery, which we both know is one day at a time. Lisa, welcome. Hello. Because you think if I'm not going to drink forever, that's a really- oh, it's too overwhelming. Yeah. Completely overwhelming and you, you think I just can't do this. Yeah. What do you think every day when you get up? I, <laughs> I drive Todd mad because I- bound out of bed with so much excitement and and joy and passion for life. And I'm like, yes, I'm alive. <laughs> this is another day. I'm Do you actually so say excited. that to him? I Well, he can feel me sort of buzzing around <laughs> and he says, time to get up. I say, yes, it's a great day. I'm so excited. <laughs> da, 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 da. Off I go, run out, yep, get on with my day. I'm bursting with energy. So you, could, you give Todd energy for his job? Absolutely. It's very contagious, pure positive energy. Yeah, I love that about you. And I, I really yep. love, Lisa, that you are so inspiring, you know, because Tell people how we met. That, that <laughs> this is, a, is such a good a, story. <laughs> such a good story. So, oh, God, I'm embarrassed. But no, go on, don't go be on, embarrassed. A friend of mine had told me about this woman called Samantha X, who was an escort and was trying to get terrible sober. Woman, terrible woman. Shocking. <laughs> Delightful, actually. Um, and she had these books. So, of course, being an addict, I bought both mm-hmm. and started reading them. And um, I was just. So, how long ago was this? This was five four, years, four yeah, and a half years ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I was just two minutes sober. And um, I loved the books. I absolutely loved them. I could not put them down. Thank you, thank you. Could not put them down. (laughs) And I just kept reading, reading, went to a recovery meeting and met this girl standing in jeans and a ponytail looking very discreet and demure. And And scared um, shitless. uh, Yes, that was it too. (laughs) And I said, hi, I'm Lisa, are you okay? And I I was chairing the meeting. She said, oh, I, I'm coming to the meeting. I said, don't worry, come and sit next to me. I'll look after you. It's all good. What's your name? Okay, my name's Amanda. Great, come sit next to me. Went through the meeting, held your hand, um, came and sat down. I said, we'll have a coffee afterwards with the other girls. Went and had this coffee. And I said, girls, you have to read this amazing book by this lady called Samantha X. It's the best. It's fantastic. <laughs> and all the girls went quiet. And I said, oh, I'm sorry do you have a problem with escorts? And they looked at me like, shh. <laughs> and you said, I'm Samantha. I said, no, you're Amanda. <laughs> and we laughed and oh, laughed. Good. And yeah, it was and good. we've been friends since then. Yeah, and really I, I loved you since the, since the day you said you love my books. <laughs> yes, I do. And when I got sober, more people were interested in sobriety than they were in anything else. And I mm. think being sober is such a buzzword these days. Absolutely. It is. It's what do they say? Sober's the new black. Do they really? Yeah, apparently. Mm. So that means we're the new black. But it's not easy. No, but I think if you break it down into that one day at a time and sometimes it's one, one hour, one minute, one second at a time, then anything is achievable. And I I find that very applicable to clients who I work with for fitness, mm. you know, and, and diet and, and trying to take sugar out of their, their, their diet. 
I said, just, just. Oh God, how do you do that? Um, Oh, how do you do that? Yeah. Is there there a recovery group for sugar? Actually, there is. There is. There's Overeaters Anonymous. There is. Because a friend of mine lost 12 kilos on that. Yes, there absolutely is. I just find sugar is, if you can take it out, it's so addictive. But do you, do you eat sugar at all? No. No. Okay. I don't do, um, no, I don't, no, no 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 refined sugars. No No chocolate. No. No. How long? Because as an addict, I find if I have one piece, I want more. I don't do moderation of anything very well Mm. at all, but I'm aware of that. And awareness is the first, the first stage of any change. So if I'm aware, then I can manage it. Mm, mm. So I, I just alter that from my life Mm. and I feel so much better. You know, I dropped 10 kilos when I was, when I got sober and I didn't even know I was overweight. You know, I look at pictures of you now mm. um, and 10 years ago, you show me, mm. and I, I just don't recognise you. You just look That's dead behind the say. eyes. Yeah. And, you know, I look back um, even five years ago, six years ago, and I remember saying, "Why?" I remember saying to Todd, why can't I smile? I remember looking in the mirror trying to smile right. and I just couldn't get the edges mm. of my mouth up into a smile because on the inside I was dying. Mm. My mask was so heavy. And on the outside, I was Lisa Party Girl, Lisa Fun Girl. Lisa Todd's wife, that's how you were defined Absolutely. as, you know. And on the inside, I was I was full of self-hate, self-loathing, and I truly didn't think I deserved to be on this planet. Mm. I despised myself. The girl staring back at me in that mirror was someone who I absolutely hated. Mm. And it's really hard to authentically smile and now I can authentically smile and laugh. Well, we just took a picture out there and you were Yeah, (laughs) and I tried to be discreet. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't work because I'm so authentically happy and living the contrast between the fake Lisa and the real Lisa, it's just Mm. poles apart. Mm. Okay. Lisa, your story is fascinating, but let's get to the start Mm -hmm. of your story. So tell me, I mean, the drinking thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think people are born alcoholics? Tell me about your childhood. I was the good girl at school. Mm-hmm. I I tend to relate. And I've my met your life. family. They're lovely. You have, yeah. yeah they're, they're and mum and dad are, you know, normal people. They're just yeah, completely they normal people. Don't drink much at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I I tend to think of my life as like um, Greece. So the show? I was this yes, the Greece country. the movie. Okay. Greece the movie. No, the show. <laughs> I was the Sandra Day at school. I was mm-hmm. the good girl, mm-hmm. and my parents were fairly strict, and we had a lot of rules. Um, and I was the Sandra Day, and. Were you the eldest or? Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I wanted to You've be. Got a sister. Yes, she's two years younger. I wanted to be Sandy in the black tights. And I was Sandra D with the fringe. And. Why did you want to be Sandy? I just thought she was the cool girl. She was the one that, you know, got the boys. And that was who I wanted to be. I was never happy in my skin, but that's the benefit of hindsight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but your upbringing was pretty normal. Yeah, absolutely. I was I was very privileged to have a, a very good education. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, trauma. I was very, no trauma. Amazing. No. That's unheard of. Yeah, absolutely. No, I was given a very loving family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we we went on family holidays and mm-hmm. and we had a really lovely life. Mm-hmm. But now I can look back and see I was I was always. Itchy. I was never itchy in your own skin. Yes, I know completely. that feeling. I think we alcoholics know that feeling. Absolutely, you just want to rip your skin off, yes. don't you? But you don't see it at the time. Until you, you don't step see back. it at the time. No, you just think that's what. It's funny you say about the smile thing because I never knew how to smile either. Mm. Uh, as a kid, mm. I didn't. I had to practice my smile. I didn't know how. You, I didn't know how to be happy. 
But we'll get we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah, so yeah. drinking, when did you take your first drink? I really didn't. I was a late drinker. I was probably 17. Right. That is late. Yeah. No, I, I So no really, sex, drugs and wrong when you're a no, teenager. Okay. No, no, no. I was a, I was the I was Sandra D. Yeah. And I I just had that first drink and I remember that feeling of oh What was the first drink? It was a vodka and orange. Uh-huh. I remember that. And I just felt relaxed. And the Lisa rules that I always applied to myself calmed down. You know, I could I could take my foot off the pedal and, you know, the perfectionism that I didn't realise was perfectionism eased because Lisa rules were gone. Right, from that very first drink. Yes, yes. Okay, so you let your head, you, you relaxed. It yes. was a relaxant for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. And how many Absolutely. did you have the first time? Um... I don't think I was really out of control. I just liked that feeling of of calm and now I can see it was I, I wasn't being a perfectionist anymore. Right. And um maybe it was amplified self love. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I just felt I felt more comfortable and I felt like I could be the sandy in the black tights. Right. So did it make you more outgoing? I think so. Right. I think so. And um now I can see that I am Sandy in the black tights and I can also be Sandra D. I can be whoever I want to be. Yeah. Because it's my choice. It's mm. my life. Mm. But I was relying on the bottle to give me so that. So how did it go from one vodka and orange to being in well, and the alcohol. next tell me about meeting Todd and how yeah. things so happened. Was, you weren't you, you didn't you weren't a full blown alcoholic no, at the age of seventeen. Not in at fact all. you didn't get sober until you were how old? I was uh forty Eight. Okay, and you're 53. Three. You look amazing. 53. And I'm all for women in their 50s changing their yes, lives. absolutely. And you can do it, but absolutely. we'll get to that later. So yeah. from the age of 17 to 48. Yeah, I was a, quite a normal drinker. Tell, okay, interesting. Quite a normal drinker. Yes, so I, could I two was too. Yes. It just it ramped up the last yes. few years. And I think I was out of control probably for a good 18 months. Um, and it went quick. Okay. But prior to that, I could go and have, I could go to have lunch with you, have two glass of wine, come home and be, be fine. Be normal. Okay. Yes. So tell me about, sorry, so bearing in mind the drinking was normal. Mm-hmm. What were you doing for work? Were you a personal trainer? You got a sports science degree. I, um, I did a sports science degree. All I could think of was I love teaching aerobics. I just love teaching aerobics. I love the music. I love the She's very good at it, the by the movement. way. Been to her classes. <laughs> and I loved it. And I thought, how can I, how can I get a degree and teach aerobics? And then I found sports science, and mm-hmm. I loved that as well. Um, and started at the local gym, Body Heat. And where, uh, where was the gym? It was in Oatley, where uh-huh. we lived. And I met um, Todd. I was the aerobics queen. He was the circuit king, <laughs> um, which was very funny. And we started to date. And, and tell me about Todd. What was he doing at the time? He well, he had done a sports science degree as well at mm-hmm. the same uni, University of New South Wales. We'd both gone there. So I could borrow some of his notes to get me through because he'd mm-hmm. already finished. And then he, he, I think he was working for cricket at the time as a development officer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was quite a small job. And I was teaching aerobics and doing my, la- doing my last year or last couple of years of my degree. And I just loved it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. But I think deep down I still wasn't that happy with my body, I wasn't. I wanted to be this thin, sandy in the black tights, and I was a tall girl, um, you know. And I probably have a little bit of body dysmorphia. You totally have body dysmorphia. Yeah, yeah. So, 
But I, I fell in love with this gorgeous man and, and lo and behold, he loved me. And I was like, oh, my gosh, wow, this is incredible. This is incredible. Did and you accept his love? Did you absolutely. feel? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we had a very busy couple of years. We got engaged at 25. I was 25 when I got engaged, 26 when I got married, 27 when I had Lara, my first child and 29 when I had Cooper. So it was a very busy late 20s. And all of that was again fine. We were happy. We didn't have a lot of money. What was Todd doing? When were- he was development officer. Okay, for cricket. Yeah. For cricket. Okay. And I was making probably $20 an hour as an aerobics instructress. Mm-hmm. And he was on maybe $30,000 a year. And you know what? We were happy. We just, we just loved each other. Mm-hmm. We had very little um, money, but we we just had so much fun. Mm. And then I fell pregnant on our honey, no, our wedding night, mm-hmm. and we thought, what are we going to do? We've got we've got no enough, no, no money. We've and we just made it work. Mm. And Lara was the best mistake that could have ever happened. And then we thought, well, if we've done one, we might as well do two. And we had Cooper and. Mm-hmm. So by the time we turned 30, I turned 30, we, we had two, two kids. kids. Yeah. Mm. And we just okay. moved forward from there. But yeah, the drinking was, was fine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely fine. It creeps up, doesn't it? It does. Okay. Creep. And then tell me, so when did Todd become CEO of the NRL? Cause that he, is a massive job. It was a massive job. He was CEO of um, the Bulldogs for a period of time. Um, and how old were the kids then? They were probably that was probably 10 years ago, so probably 14 and mm-hmm. 16 thereabouts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then so he was in the NRL for a period of time. And I guess his star was rising. I, by that stage, had opened a gym mm-hmm. and I loved it. Um, it is my passion to empower, especially women, to feel good. And I I guess now with the benefit of hindsight, I'd say because I didn't feel good in my skin. So I wanted other women to feel good. So I was Lisa the fixer. I'll fix you here and I'll fix you there and I'll make you feel good. And I, and I, but I wasn't happy in myself. But still the drinking was Under okay. control. Yeah. So you would go to – so Todd had a pretty big job as CEO yes. of the Bulldogs. Would you go to yep. events with him? Yep. Absolutely. And behave yourself? <laughs> yeah. No, I did. I behaved myself. I would I would drink – I was a good drinker. Yeah. But I could stop. Yes. When it got – um, yes. When I felt like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm getting a bit wobbly or I'm getting a bit slurry or whatever, I, I was very good at stopping. And I think people have this perception that alcoholics are, 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 are complete nightmares from day Absolutely one. Absolutely, no. It doesn't happen. No. It doesn't. I mean, I never drank a lot in public, really. Absolutely. Um, because we drink in, in private. Yeah. Because we're and, full of guilt, and shame and remorse. And we drink as well. Yeah. Because we are so so ashamed of our behaviour. So ashamed. Shame is a big thing. We'll get to that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. okay. So Todd has, was a CEO of the Bulldogs, yep. and then what happened? Then he became. So then that- he went to the NRL and uh, worked his way up and became the CEO. And so that's a huge, massive job. Huge. So suddenly more money, more money, and you know the one thing I didn't give in. I mean, all all our decisions are made as as a family. So when he had the opportunity, we sat down as a family and said. Is everyone okay with this? Are we all comfortable with it? And we were really excited for him. I was so proud of him mm. to go from it's a, a huge job, yeah, massive pressure, massive pressure. And I hadn't given a lot of thought to that. I must admit. What way? What do you mean? Um, I I knew it would be a big job. Mm. I didn't completely recognise the profile. Right. So you didn't read the fame. No, the fame no, no, no. no. I had no idea that people would. He's the CEO. He's not on the field. He's not tackling and but he gets the, the blame ball. for everything. Yeah. And also, um, we'd go out and people would say, oh, could, I, could you take a picture of me with your husband? And I'd be thinking, he's just the CEO. So there was so many times where I'd be behind the camera 
snapping a photo of him with snapping a photo with him with um, people. Mm. And I, how did that make you feel? Because I had such low self-esteem, as his star was rising, mine was falling. Tell me, what do, what do you mean by that? I think um, if I had healthy self-esteem, and I always say it's self-love, self-belief, self-worth, and mine was very low. So as his star was it, rising, I felt by it was like a seesaw that impossible. I was, yeah, and impossible. I was nothing. Now, if I had enough self-belief, self-love, self-worth, I could be beside him the whole way. It doesn't matter that he's is growing. I'm there as a as a loving wife. So the bigger he was getting, the more you were shrinking. Absolutely. Right. Okay. And that's all that's got nothing to do with I him. I hear that a lot from we are wives of famous mm. people mm. that the more successful their partners or husbands become, mm. the more invisible they feel. But it's not a, it's got nothing to do with him. Mm. It's got everything to do with me. But you didn't begrudge him his success. Absolutely not. Mm. Because it all came from me. Mm. It, Came from my self esteem being so low. Did you talk about it with him? Did you say, "Hey, no, but- no, no, no"? Okay, so tell, was- me, so tell me, tell me, yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, no, he was, um, and he was always so supportive of everything I was doing. And mm-hmm. at about this stage, I decided to close my gym. Mm-hmm. I'd had Why? a gym for uh, a long time. Mm-hmm. I just thought maybe I should spend some more time with Todd. And mm-hmm. there's some great opportunities to travel, and I wasn't traveling with him. And mm-hmm. and so I closed the gym. And completely lost my way. Okay. Completely well, lost my way. Like? Because I lost my passion. Yes. And I lost my purpose. Yes. And the kids had grown up and they didn't need me as much. Now, none of that matters if you've got self-esteem. Yeah. None of that matters. But if anything, it just amplified my lack of. So you didn't you weren't Lisa Greenberg anymore, you were Todd's wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that should be fine if I'm happy in my skin. But if anything, it just completely showed me that I wasn't happy in my skin. What did that look like? And I started to plummet. How old and were you? How old were you? I it? was probably 40, it was 2016 to 2018. Mm-hmm. So what's that, six, seven years ago? So, mm-hmm, fifth, mm-hmm. yeah, 46, 47, 48. Mm-hmm. And I completely lost my way. What did, what did that mean? I thought I had nothing of value to add. We were going to functions with the Prime Minister with the Who was the Prime Minister at the time? Um, Australia's had so many. I think that was, no, was John Scott? Howard? No. No. But more likely it was um Gladys. Okay. And I got to know Gladys really well and that's the, uh, the old New South Yeah. How do you South Premier. And and I just thought how am I possibly going to go and talk to these people when I've got no value to add? I am a waste of space no one's going to want to talk to me because I can't add anything. I have got nothing. I am nothing. So I would start to have a few glasses of wine before I went out. And then that very quickly escalated to a bottle. And then it escalated to two bottles. And I would have to- Before you went out. Before I went out. Because I thought, there is my confidence which is so illogical because how can how can I get confidence from a bottle? How can this one bottle simultaneously give me a calm of a night and pep me up before I go out? Like it can't. It's all in my head. Mm. So can you think of an example where you had to go to a function with some high-profile people mm-hmm. and you were up off your face? or I, Because it is so progressive, as I'm sure you mm. know, mm. You normalize it, mm-hmm. or I speak in the eye. I normalized it. Mm-hmm. So, what initially gave me confidence being half a bottle then be, had to become one bottle and one and a half and then two. 
And in my mind, I was just like rocking and I wasn't. I was slurring and- Do people notice? Um, Todd noticed because he knows me better than anyone else in the world. Um, not so much, not so much um, because when Todd would say, you're drunk, and I would say, how dare you? Right. I'm not drunk. And I would just Would he pull him. you aside at one of these yeah. functions? and, and he'd say he'd that say to you. He'd say, you've been drinking. Right. And I would look him in the eyes, right. the man who I love with all my heart, and say, how dare you accuse me of drinking? I'm not drinking and I'm not drunk. And I would lie. And that's what I hate about my disease mm. is that it made me a liar mm -hmm. and it made me incredibly selfish. And they're the two personality traits that I despise. And every time I looked in the mirror, I was a liar mm. and I was selfish. And that's that's something that I have to live with forever. But it's also a great reminder that if I pick up a drink, that's where I go back to. Mm -hmm. Because everyone I know who relapses goes back there very quickly. On steroids? Absolutely. So Todd will pull you aside, mm -hmm. pull you aside at these mm -hmm. high-profile events mm -hmm. and tell you you've been drinking. Mm -hmm. And then what would happen? And then I'd, I'd you go into mineral waters. Yeah, you go on, And okay. I'd go into the mineral waters and just demonstrate that I was under control okay. and I was good. And But deep um, down? Deep down I was, I was imploding. Mm -hmm. I had this mask that was so heavy. No wonder I couldn't smile. Friggin' mask was yeah. so heavy. <laughs> but it was it was a mask of fun Lisa, fun Lisa. And I tried so hard to be fun Lisa, fun Lisa, who was I just wanted everyone to like me. Yet I didn't like myself. And the pressure of being and the pressure the of being CEO NRL's yes. wife. Yes. Yeah, you are the show wife. Mm. You know, you've got to be you've got to look the part. Yep, absolutely. And the but the only person putting pressure on me was me mm. because Todd loved me. Mm -hmm. People said I was great fun to be around, but I didn't see it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. until I had copious amount of wine. Mm. And I just I I simply despised myself. Mm. And when I did sixty minutes recently, um Ali Langdon said, You you really hated yourself that much. I said, I despised myself. I truly thought I didn't deserve to be on this earth. And we had to stop shooting a couple of times because she she just kept stopping and saying, you hated yourself that much. I said, I really did, Ali. Mm -hmm. I, no one could see it. It's, it's funny that it's also an oxymoron because you had mm. so many people that loved you, mm. you know, your kids, mm. your husband. Yet it, oh, it, I had it, the beautiful it, house, yeah. the beautiful clothes, the yep. beautiful car. You are in the magazines and yep, social pages. meant nothing. Mm. It meant nothing because it was part of the mask. It was part of the facade. Mm. And um, the higher Todd's star went, the lower mine went. And that's not the way a partnership goes. Mm -hmm. But Were you fighting? Um, yes, when I was drinking, absolutely. And what would he say to you? He would say, "Why? I don't understand why you drink. Mm. Why do you have to drink? And I would say, oh, you're just boring. You don't get it. You know, <sighs> I would call him names. Yeah. And deflect, deflect, deflect. And the kids would say, Mom, please stop drinking. Mm. And I would just look. It doesn't matter what anyone says. No, no. And occasionally I'd think, oh, maybe I should give it a go or I'd try that Feb fast or, and I'd last a week and go, I've got this. Mm. How often were you drinking? Every day towards the end. The last 18 months it was every day. Okay. It was every day. So you'd so give me a typical day. Towards the end, end. Okay, so the first, well, the 18 months that I was really in full-blown active addiction, it would be cooking 
with wine in a coffee cup because I didn't want to show mm. that I was drinking because I knew deep down that what I was doing wasn't right. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I could sit there with a, a normal glass of wine, it's not a problem. Mm. But the minute I started hiding, I knew that I was doing something that I should be ashamed of. Are you drinking of. a bottle a day? Or? Easy. Easy bottle. And towards the end, it was two bottles. Mm-hmm. Easy. And then little little spirits. And when I went to rehab, Todd said he found little spirit bottles all over the house. Right. And bottles hidden and, mm. um, you it know. Become sneaky. Very, very sneaky. And as I said, that's the lying. Mm. That's the the lack of authenticity that now I, I'm so proud of. Mm. Oh, looking at you now, I just can't imagine you I like know. that. You know? It's so different. I can't imagine it? you like that. No. I've, I've only known you sober. Yeah. Okay. So it progressed pretty badly for you to end up in rehab. How, what was your Absolutely. rock bottom? We all need a rock bottom. My rock bottom was um, the kids and Todd had said to me, if you drink again, we will leave. And unbeknownst to me, he had got some advice from a psychologist to say, if you're going to set a boundary, you have to be prepared to walk. If you're going to say that, you've got to walk. And he said, he came home one day and he said, have you been drinking? And I looked him in the eye, this man who I adore, mm. and I said, how dare you accuse me of drinking? I have not been drinking. And how much have you had to drink that day? I probably had two bottles. Right. Of white wine? Yeah. Yeah. Of anything not, by the yeah, end. It yeah. didn't bother me. And they packed their bags and they left. How old were the kids? They were 20, maybe 21 and mm-hmm. 19. Mm-hmm. Wow. That, that, that must have hurt. Very much so. But not initially. Initially it was good. See you later. I can do what I want now. I don't even have to hide the bottles. And Todd said as he walked up those stairs, he um, he said he just remembers thinking, I may never see my wife alive again. Wow. And he said it broke him. He said he got to that car and he broke down because he thought, I just want to go back in. Mm. I just Rescue want to give you. it another go. Mm-hmm. But he was enabling. Mm. And, 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 and Alex, alcoholics, we choose... The addiction over the people Absolutely. with children. You know, people Absolutely. will be listening to this and going, you're a mother, how could you do that mm-hmm. to your children? You don't even think about no. the kids, do you? And um, because I I tend to, I choose to recover loudly um, because I suffered in silence. I've told my story so many times and, and the story I tell, which I'm not proud of, but I have to be honest, is if there was a bottle of wine in the middle of the road when I was in active addiction and I had to push my children in front of that wine to, in in front of a truck rather, to get to that wine, I would have done that. Mm. Now that's horrific. I understand it though. That is horrific. Mm -hmm. But that is what addiction does. And until you've walked in those shoes, you can't understand that you would choose alcohol Mm -hmm. or whatever the addiction is over my family, Mm. my family who I adore and now I would lay my life down for, I would choose the, I would push them in front of a truck to get to that wine. Tell me the night that they left, Mm -hmm. what did you do? Is that, and I remember you telling me something in recovery that you got your cushions and bed. Yes. And you, didn't you put it on the floor? Yes. They left me for about three or four weeks Mm. and it's a long time. And the initial was great. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. I don't have to hide the bottles anymore. But I also thought, you don't deserve a bed, Lisa. You are such a screw up and you are so pathetic. You don't deserve to sleep in your bed. So I went and took my pillow and laid on the floorboards and I just drank and drank and drank and would fall asleep in a blackout, I guess, and wake up and, 
and me who I'm such a neat freak and I crave order and neatness and I'd wake up and see all these bottles around me and think, what the hell? When you when you sobered up? Yeah. Mm. And I think, what the hell? And then I'd just go and get some more. Right. From the off-life, from the bottle shop? Or around the house. And then when I realised I was out, I would go and drive to – but I, I – pause. I would say today I might try not to drink. So you I remember having some lucidity at right. certain times. So, And then by midday I'd be in the car driving to a bottle shop like my body was on my body. I was driving and I'd come back with two cases of wine, bring them in, sit, drink. Were I stopped training. No, I didn't eat. I didn't shower. I can't imagine that for I you because you're so well kept. I am such You are such a, a yeah, you know, yeah. your fashion is massive yes, fashion for you is and the way you look thing. is a big thing. Massive. I love clothes. Yeah, and you, she and looks fantastic yes. today. <laughs> but I, I just stayed in my pyjamas. I didn't shower. People said they came to see me and I vaguely remember looking up and seeing people but just thinking, whatever, see ya, don't get in my way and I'll just drink. Mm. And you I drank and drank and drank and drank and drank, yeah. And I didn't care if I died. Mm. Um, yeah, it was awful. It's amazing how, how I didn't see it as awful at the time though. No. I mean, how you can go from having a few drinks to, to wanting to die. So quickly. Mm. It really was an 18 month, very rapid progression to not getting out of my jammies, not getting up off the floor, not training. I love fitness. No, you're a fitness obsessed. I love moving my Mm. body. I didn't move my body. I didn't dress my body in the clothing that I loved. And I just laid there and drank. You didn't care. You wanted to die. Yeah. I didn't think about it like that, but I just thought, I don't care. I needed that numbness. Yeah, that's, you know, that's it. I needed to be numb. I Because the minute I sobered up, I realized I didn't have anything left. My family were gone, so I'd numb. And what I now know is you can't selectively numb. You can't numb the bad times without numbing the good times. So I just lived in this numb state, mm. and it was it was awful. So how so what happened there? So how did you go from that to rehab? I I don't know. It sounds really crazy, and I guess I'm a lapsed Catholic. I go to church at you know Easter and. Um, Christmas and I'm more spiritual than I am religious. But I remember laying on the ground this one on my floorboards this one night. Yeah. With my gorgeous puppy beside me who did not leave my side. And looking up at the ceiling and thinking, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't know why at that stage I did. And I prayed to God, higher power, and just said, I think I need help. And as clearly as I'm looking at you today, my gorgeous friend, I saw recovery written on the ceiling. Did you know anything about recovery? I had heard about 12-step programs, but when people had told me I should get to 12-step, I was like, I'm too good to sit on a plastic chair and drink instant coffee. Ego out of control. (laughs) And when I looked up and saw that, I thought, "Mm, you know what, I'll give this a go. And then I will drive off the cliff on the way home. Okay, so you thought I'm going to go to recovery and then I'll kill myself. And then I will, I didn't think of the word kill. I just thought Todd deserves a much better wife. Okay. The kids deserve 
a far superior mother than me because every time I looked in their eyes, all I could see was the pain I was causing them and I couldn't fix me. I was a fixer. I fixed everyone and I couldn't fix me. So I thought, "Mm, I'll try this. So I rang, I remember ringing Todd and saying, I'm going to a meeting and why would he believe me? I'd lied so many times. So I drove out to a meeting and thought, I'll just give it a go. I don't remember who was in that meeting. I don't remember what they spoke about. I just remember looking to my right and seeing this very glamorous woman sitting next to me. It was me, was it? <laughs> it was just before me. <laughs> and she was designer and gorgeous and and clear skin. Oh, I noticed this. Yes, yes. And I remember thinking, I wonder what she's doing here. She must be lost <laughs> because <gasps> she must have come to the wrong place. Alcoholics are like should look should look like she tramps, right? Would, yeah, absolutely. Mm. She's not sleeping on a park bench. She's mm-hmm. not dirty and smelly. And mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, and she looked happy. And I thought she can't be happy. <laughs> no one would be happy to be an alcoholic. And she says that she looked at me and she said she could see in my eyes what I was going to do on the way home. She could, she, did she say that? Because she'd been there. She'd been in my shoes. And she said, how about we have a coffee? Like I said to yes, you. Yes, yes. How about we have a coffee? And um, she took me for a coffee and she said, you know you're an alcoholic. And I said, I don't want to be. And she said, you don't have a choice. I want you to go home. I want you to call this number. I want you to go to rehab. And it was like someone had opened the window this much. And when she said the word disease, just made me think maybe I'm not such a screw up. Maybe, maybe it's not all on me. Maybe there is something to this disease thing. And I felt a little bit of the pressure ease. And I thought maybe it's true that addiction's not a choice, but recovery is. Maybe I do have a choice. Mm-hmm. So we had a coffee. I went home. I rang the rehab. I got in. Was Todd living back with you? No. No. No, I went back to my floorboards mm-hmm. and um, I rang and my parents took me to this rehab. Mm-hmm. And Didn't you get thrown out of rehab? No, 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 no. But I went on the first day and I'd said to them, please, 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 could I have a room to myself because I want to embrace this mm-hmm. 100%. I want to give it my 100%. Mm-hmm. And I went and I was in the room with six women who were vomiting and, and they're all in, um, you know, that – that early withdrawal. stage withdrawal. Yeah. And I checked myself out. On day one? Yeah. Yeah. And I just said, I'm going to come back when I can get me a room on my own because if I'm going to do this, being an addict, I'm going to do it 100% or not at all. So I went home, bought Did another case of wine. Yeah. Yep. Drank it as quickly as I could. That would, Todd must have been devastated. He wasn't home. But they did he home. know that you did that? No. Okay. No. And that was the 29th of June. And then that's so why on the 30th of June, I was went back to rehab. Did they get you your own room? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I did the, the breathalyzer test. And again, ego, They, I said, like, am I the best? Like, am I the highest reading you've ever had? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, not even close. I was like, damn, uh-huh. I should have gone harder. Um, and I just put on my hat of, I'm going to give this a go. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try this. And I went back to Sandra D and... And took the black tights off. And, yes, um, yes. And well, and just anything that was optional, I signed up for. Were you? How long were you in rehab for? Three weeks. Did you have withdrawal, physical withdrawal symptoms? 
Not that I remember. Because they I give just, you Valium or anything? Um, they, yes. But after three, I think they did that for three days. And I went and said, no more. I'm done because I was sleeping. Mm. And I said, I'm here to learn. Mm. I want to learn. Did you realize you had person. a disease? Yes, then I did. Mm. Because what this this beautiful girl who I call my angel mm. had said to me was, you have a disease. Mm-hmm. And the, the disease s- of alcoholism. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I just said, no more Valium. And yep. they said, you'll feel awful. I said, I don't care. I want to learn. I'm here to learn. Something. I don't want to sleep. Yeah. I don't want to sleep anymore. Yeah. So I was just the, the, I was the star. <laughs> I was the prefect again. Okay. Who wants to do this? Me? Who wants to do this? Me? Who wants to wash up? Me? I'll wash up. I'll do the sheets. I'll do, I just wanted to do everything I could to get better because I'd seen a little bit of light mm-hmm. and I thought maybe I can, maybe I can beat this. What, what was rehab like? I've never been to rehab. My 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 okay. recovery is a different story. Yes. But what what tell me what rehab's rehab like. Rehab was very um regimented and I'm a rules girl, so mm-hmm. I liked I liked the rules because it didn't give me a lot of time for thinking. Mm-hmm. Um I did would, Todd come and see you? He did, but he wasn't allowed to at first. We were allowed to go to the public phone booth and make a few phone calls and I rang and um we did walking on the beach and but even that we could do nothing that was addictive. So, you know, I'd go to do a little bit of run up. Lisa, so no running on the beach. It. No, I had to power walk. So no exercise. Power. No, you, you would have uh, hated that. But you know what I did? What they said no exercise. So I used to close my door and say I'm just going to stretch. And I had a little routine that was my push ups and my tricep right. dips. And but why aren't you allowed to do that? Because it's addictive, and and there was eating disorders and all that in there. And mm. you know we all have to adhere to the rules. Um, did you eat properly in there? Mm, I think I did. Yeah, I think I did. I was probably craving sugar then because you know when you come yes, off alcohol, yes, you do crave sugar. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. And um, I can tell you a funny story. Um, there was a few people that used to sneak out. To and, drink? No, well, to smoke. And I was never a smoker. Um, and and then they'd sneak up to buy cigarettes at the at the shop. And I'd say, can you please get me licorice, Darryl licorice bullets? Like that was my thing. Oh, can you get me some? <laughs> and they said, yeah, they're at the shop. I said, really? So I, I had some money and I'd give them. I felt like I was in audio school, yes. in school, and they'd bring it back to me. I was like, oh, yes, I've got bullets. But then they, these people left rehab, and I thought, what am I going to do? I need my bullets. So I um, I spoke to them. I said, how did you get out? How did you break out and get back in? And they told me what time to go and what time the nurse's shift changes. Yes. And, and this is actually very naughty of you. Very naughty, very naughty. And and it was my um, breaking the rules. And so they said to me, okay, 6 p.m. or whatever time it was, go out that door, run. And they gave me a list and, and a direction. So I, I went and got my black leather pants on <laughs> and my black shirt and I put my black um, beanie on and I was going to black out my face, but I thought it was a little bit too theatrical. <laughs> so I, I, they said, Lace. They were all laughing because I was the rules girl. They're going, she's not going to do it. I said, I am. I'm going to do it. They said, right. Go now. Now's the opportunity. So I ran out the door. I ran down to the corner, round the block, turn right, turn left, got into the shop, bought the the lollies, got back and thought, they didn't tell me how to get back in. Oh my gosh, I'm locked out. What oh am my I god, what do? did you do? Well then they were obviously looking out for me. They shipped it, they opened the door, whoosh, ran back in. I was like, and I had them stuffed in my jacket and You got away with it. I got away with it and I did it a few more times and um I remember telling my psychologist there, I said, I broke a rule. And she said, oh, thank God, we're yeah. going to break some of your perfectionism. So um, that was a bit of a rule break when I was in there. It was just to get 
bullets. Mm-hmm. And now you don't even eat sugar. <laughs> and now I don't even eat mm-hmm. sugar. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So what happened after rehab? So were you cured? There is no cure, which is what I've learned. It's just um, management one day at a time. How did you feel leaving rehab physically? A little bit scared mm-hmm. because I was very safe in there. But excited. It's not real world, is it? No, mm-hmm. but I was excited to see the kids. I was excited to see Todd. Were they moving back home? They were home by this stage. Okay. Um, and I was really excited to show them the new me, mm-hmm. but the new me was just L plates. Mm-hmm. I hadn't even got to red peas yet, you know, I, and I was really quite nervous. But Todd had cleared out alcohol. There was no alcohol in the house. And, and you said he found bottles everywhere? Everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. And he said, do you want me to get rid of the alcohol? I said, yes, please. I'm not I'm not strong enough yet to have it around me. Mm-hmm. So I think it was the first 12 months we had no alcohol in the house. I mean, now I can pour you a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. I can go to the bar and, you know, mm-hmm. um, because I've got a program that works really well for me and and I'm so grateful for my sobriety. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to give it up for anyone. But I just had to, like we talked about at the beginning, mm-hmm. I had to take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. And I'd go to meeting after meeting after meeting. Mm-hmm. and How many a I, day? Mm, I was, there was no Zoom then, mm-hmm. so I would just drive out to a meeting one a day mm-hmm. and I would surround myself by other alcoholics so I felt connected. Mm-hmm. And I learned that the opposite of addiction is connection because mm-hmm. when you feel disconnected. That's so true. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. When you feel disconnected, you feel like a loser mm-hmm. and, you know, poor me, poor me, poor me another. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. victim, oh, victim, victim, I don't do victim. Victim's a waste of time. I don't do victim at all. And that's one thing I've learned through my nearly five years of sobriety is that I am powerful and I empower people through my rock bottom story um, because I have a choice. I have a choice every day. I can choose a drink anytime, but I choose not to. And that's one thing I help when I'm working with the girls I work with. And they say, oh, I can't drink. I said, stop right there. You can drink. I can drink. So I said, don't take away your power by saying you can't. Say, I choose not to and empower yourself. Mm-hmm. I choose not to drink. Don't okay. take away your power. So tell me about your recovery mm. since leaving rehab and, and how it, you know, how it's changed you. So in, I go through, yeah. used to hear people in early recovery say they were grateful alcoholics. And I think you're a loser, as if you ever be grateful for this disease. How could you ever say that? Mm. I'm never going to say I'm a grateful alcoholic. And guess what I say now? I'm a grateful alcoholic because I am a better wife, a better mother, a better friend, a better person because I've lived the contrast of such low self-esteem and self-belief that now I say, no, I'm I'm so happy. And I think contrast is a really good thing when you use it for perspective, mm. not, not use it for victim. Oh, poor me. You know what? I'm a victim. I'm not. How does getting sober help the way you think about yourself? So that self-love that you talked mm. about, I know, and as successful as Todd was becoming and is mm. successful mm. as are you now, mm. but um, how does that, how does being sober change that? So how do you, how do you now, how have you flicked the switch in your head? Because I'm empowered. Right. So what does that actually mean? Because my power was in the bottle. Right. You gave, you I gave ne- your yeah. power to the drink. I thought I needed that to be a happy, healthy person. And and my catch cry is I'm happy, healthy and hot. Not hot in a narcissistic way, but hot but in are, a but, yeah. <laughs> but hot in a I love me. Mm. I I have amplified self-belief, self-love, self-worth. And and I am happy. I'm authentically happy. The and kids I'm must healthy. Be so proud of you. They are, but 
so every time I get a little bit more sober, people say, you must be proud. And I stop there and I say, I'm not proud because pride will take me back down that rabbit hole. I'm grateful. I'm appreciative and I'm grateful. I'm not proud because I don't want to go back there mm. ever again. Have you ever thought about relapsing? I don't think I've got another recovery in me. What Actually, is, I know is, I don't have another recovery mean? in me. It's it's hard work. Have Early you relapsed? Early days is hard. Never. Mm. Never. I've heard that voice say, mm-hmm. just have one. Oh, I hear that voice all the yeah. time. Yeah. And I just, that, I, I remember hearing people saying, your addiction is waiting at the end of the bed doing push-ups. And I think, well, if you're doing 10, I'm doing 20. If you're doing 20, I'm doing 100. Give it your best. I'm not going back there. But when I hear the voice, I just say, yeah, see ya. I'm just, I'm, I'm stronger than you are. And it's only one day at a time, but giving back service and gratitude are instrumental in my recovery. Absolutely instrumental because it's like that mining for gold. I get gold and I give it away. And then it I, it comes back in abundance, mm-hmm. absolutely in abundance. How did recovery, how has recovery changed you? It's made me far more grateful for my life. It's made me appreciate the important things in life. And that doesn't mean I, you know, I still love my clothes and I still love my nice things and love my fashion, but I'm not looking for it externally. I find it internally and then I can, I can look externally for other mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But I'm just, I, I'm, I'm so grateful every day. You know, I, I'm writing a book on the A to Z of, of happiness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was very fortunate last week to, to be the keynote speaker in front of 300 women. For an hour, I spoke about happiness. And you didn't have any happiness. notes with you. No <laughs> notes because I could speak from my heart. Mm. And, you know, Todd was there and he's an incredible speaker. And I, I said to him at the end, okay, I need some feedback. And he said, Nailed it. Right. Nailed it. And I know he would have said, look, we could have changed this or this. Yeah. And and I love the opportunity to share my my disempowering rock bottom and inspire people because when people used to tell me about drinking from a book, you know, I'd see a psychologist and they'd say, You should do this and you should do that. I thought, you haven't you have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I can speak honestly because I've been in the basement and I choose to now get in that lift and go up to the penthouse. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just living in the penthouse or even if you go down to to level five, mm. you know, it's far better than the basement or lower ground. I don't want to go back there and it's worry, my choice. Do you, do you worry that you will? No, day? because it's my choice. Mm-hmm. I've got the power back now. I never thought it was about choice. It's about choice. Mm. I choose my life and I choose a life that's full of happiness and and love and joy and, and movement and muscle and, and all the things that that make me feel incredible. I choose that. How do you help women now? I have a YouTube channel, which is What's it called? It's 100 Days to Happy, Healthy, Hot. And it's 15 minutes of exercise that, that makes me feel incredible because I can't help any more women than I'm helping face to face. So people say, can you start a, can you do a YouTube? Can you show us how you, you feel, how you get fitter and stronger? Because my body is better now than it's ever been. And I'm 53, but I train every day. So, but there's lots of little, little secrets Mm. I can, I can give. And give us one of them. One of them is consistency. Uh You know, it's consistency, not intensity. It's about doing, doing things every day. It's not about saying, you know, if someone came to me and said, I would like to run a half marathon with you, Lisa, I would say, right, let's go for a 20K run now. I'd say, okay, well, let's go to the letterbox and back and let's go to one telegraph pole and back. 
and that's boring. It's not sexy. So it's, it's consistency. And that works. Consistency every day and muscle, Mm -hmm. especially as we're over 40, we have to use our muscle. And people say, oh, but I don't want to be the Hulk. Well, maybe if you inject testosterone, (laughs) you might be the Hulk. You're not going to be the Hulk. It's impossible. We're not going to do that. It's impossible. But when you feel good, when you look in the mirror, Mm -hmm. but you know what comes first? Feeling good and then you look good Mm -hmm. because it comes from inside. People listening to this, particularly women who think, well, I think, I don't know if I have a problem with alcohol, but I would like to stop drinking. I don't know if I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. What's your advice to them? There's a great expression that says alcohol is magic, medicinal and madness. It was magic when it started. And then I used it for medicine and then it very quickly escalated to madness. If you can keep it in the magic stage and you can stop, good for you. If you can't stop, Maybe there's a problem. It's not for me to to let you know if, if you're an alcoholic or if you have a problem. But I would just say, try having a, a break. Pubs aren't I, closing. Uh, well, you know what I say? If you think if you don't think you have a problem with alcohol, try giving up. Absolutely. Pubs aren't closing. It, it, Bottle it, shops it, aren't closing. It, it was, I couldn't even do yeah. Fab Fast. Yeah, neither could I. But then I said, oh, but it's my choice to go back to it. It wasn't my choice. Mm. Where do you me. think you'd be if you were still drinking? Dead. Without any hesitation. I would not be alive. And so I play the the movie forward every day that that little voice, which is getting quieter but still there, have a drink. I play the movie forward. I've got choice A or choice B. Choice A is to continue this incredible, amazing life and have them in order. Or choice B is have a drink and I lose everything that's important to me. I mean, my daughter just got engaged the other day. And tell, yeah, tell yeah, us Yeah, and that. five years ago she had said, I don't, I don't want you in my life anymore. And now both my kids want me in their life every single day. And, and Lara actually asked me to come and be part of choosing her ring with her partner. I mean, how lucky am That's I? Beautiful. Oh my gosh, I'm so fortunate. And you're so inspirational, Lisa. I look at you. you oh. You've really helped me in recovery too. Oh, uh, but if it, there's another reason for sobriety. I wouldn't have met you, my gorgeous mm. friend. You know, and I'm so fortunate to have women like you around me. You know, I, I call you one of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't see each other all the time, although I am moving closer know, to you, 2.3 kilometres to be precise. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. It's it's some um, quality friendships, authentic friendships. And you've never judged me so that... Never. Thank it's you. It's not for me that. to judge. Mm-hmm. Gosh, people judge me. I mean, I've lost friendships because of alcoholism. Tell me about that. I had friends for a number of years and, and you know, it's it says more about them. They just don't know. I had friends for such a long period of time and then I found out they had a barbecue once and I wasn't invited and I was always the organiser. And I rang them and I said, what happened? Where's my invitation? What happened? I was only probably six months sober and they said, but we were serving alcohol and we didn't want you to feel uncomfortable. And I said, please give me the choice. If I was a vegetarian and you were serving steak, would you ask me to a barbecue? And they said, of course. And I said, well, it's the same with alcohol. If I'm uncomfortable, you have my word. I will say, this isn't a good one for me. I'm not going to come. But please don't not include me. And I think that's the worst. I am so inclusive, probably to my detriment now. I just never want anyone to feel disconnected or not invited. And I, I just think that feeling of being left out it's awful, awful. So I will include everyone in every single part of my life. 
And if they decide not to come, that's fine. And if I decide not to come, you have my word that I will be honest with you and say, this isn't a good time for me. Mm-hmm. What's your message to women? Love yourself. Do whatever it is you can to climb out of that hole into happiness. Even if you just pop your head up out of the hole. You know, it may not be alcohol that's keeping you in the hole. It might be a bad marriage or you look in the mirror and you don't like your physique. You have a choice. Don't give away your power. And for me, it's about feeling happy, feeling healthy and moving your body. That's why I did my my YouTube. It's 15 minutes. It's 100 days. And I had an 80-year-old woman call me the other day and say, I'm doing your exercises every day and I feel so so good. It's fantastic. And you don't have to be an alcoholic to do it, by the way. No, 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 no. You don't have to be sober. You don't have to have a drinking problem. Anyone can do it. No, and I I post Soberobics twice a week on my Instagram page. And you're on TV sometimes. I've seen you on TV. Yeah, aren't I so lucky? Because, no, I'm not. Actually, I take that back. I'm not lucky. We choose. We choose our... You know, You've that worked was, really hard, Lisa. Yeah, but it's not sober. hard work if it's fun. Mm. If it's fun and, and joyous, then it's not hard work. Mm-hmm. I started sober aerobics because they're the two things I love in life. I love being sober and I love aerobics. So I put the words together and I went, I'm doing sober aerobics. And I was scared people would think I was silly. And I started this new, um, I made up this word called um, ro- uh, ROPO. You so, were saying that earlier. Yes, so tell I us told what you. It- so FOPO is fear of other people's opinions. I'd never heard of that. I never heard of that either. No, so mm. it is a thing apparently. And think about it, we we often stop ourselves from doing things because we're worried about what people will think. And now I say, well, let's not fopo, let's ropo. Which means? Which means respect other people's opinions and release them. So I respect your opinion, fine. I'm releasing but it. I don't care. And I'm doing what <laughs> I want to do. So I, I need to have aerobics. more of that in my you life. You need ropo, baby. I really do because we you were saying do. earlier I struggle with a few yeah. things at the moment. ropo, ropo, um, ropo. Lisa, where can people find you? I have a fabulous um, Instagram page, which is at Lisa G Perfectly Imperfect. I do Fashion Friday. I do sober aerobics little routines so that you can do fitness in your lounge room. And I have a happiness hack every week that works for me. If it doesn't work for me, I'm not going to talk about it. I've got my YouTube channel, 100 Days to Happy Healthy Hot. And I am doing a lot of public speaking. Um, Saxon speakers have just taken me on. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So I'm very, very grateful for the opportunity to share my story because it's real. And I think when it's real, it resonates Mm -hmm. because the mask is gone, baby. Mm -hmm. I am Sandra D and Sandy. (laughs) I go between the both, which is great. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on. I love you dearly. I I love you too. I can't wait for you to move closer to me. Lisa, you said that alcoholism is a disease. Absolutely. I know that that's hard for some people to understand. Tell us more about that. Okay. I believe it is a disease. I believe there is a genetic predisposition, but doing a lot of research on epigenetics, it is environment that brings it out. So this is only my opinion. I believe we are. Mm -hmm. I believe we're born with a predisposition to many things, Mm -hmm. but it can lay dormant. And if the environment around us doesn't bring it out, it won't come out. But because I had low self-esteem, low self-worth. And then low Todd's s- massive mega job. Absolutely. Then I just flicked the switch. Flicked the switch mm-hmm. and I stepped over that little red line. So, yes, alcoholism is a disease. Addiction is a disease. But recovery is a choice. And I choose recovery every single day. So, sadly, it's not a, it's a disease that has a big stigma, which is disappointing. But, again, I can't. I can't affect 
or change what people think of my disease. Ropo. Ropo. Which is? Respect other people's opinions and release them. So, you know, if they don't want to be, if someone doesn't want to be my friend because I'm an alcoholic, that's their loss. I am your friend because you are an alcoholic. Absolutely. And that's and where you know we what? met. I am fun. <laughs> I'm so much more fun now. And if I decide to leave a party at midnight because I'm tired, I'll be up at five. How the hell do you manage to stay till midnight? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, it is a disease, definitely. Mm-hmm. And it has been recognised by World Health as a disease. But it's not a disease that gets a lot of um, sympathy. If I had cancer, and and I don't want that, certainly, um, I would have a lineup of friends at my door with casseroles. But when you have alcoholism or, or any addiction, people are a little bit more awkward mm-hmm. and they don't know how to cope with it. And I think by recovering loudly, then we can perhaps decrease that stigma because I thought an alcoholic was a park bench drunk. Mm-hmm. Same. I didn't understand that I could that I was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Me who's fit and healthy and can run great 20K. Life. On paper, yes. great life. It made no sense to me. And that's another thing. I want to get into schools because I've had a lot of women, so many women say to me, could you please go to the girls' schools, you and your beautiful clothing, with your clean skin and your fit and healthy body, and say, I'm an alcoholic and um, this is what, this is where you can go. And again, choose to drink because you want to drink, not because the bottle is going to give you self-esteem or it's going to calm you down. It it's can't. An illusion. It's a massive illusion. It's an illusion. Mm. And it's full of calories. Full yeah, of I was going to say, if, if nothing else, vanity. Absolutely. Use <laughs> I'm whatever. too vain to drink now. I do Use not want to. I'm works. way too yeah, vain to drink absolutely, now. Absolutely. I agree. Thanks for listening to Exposed. If you enjoyed this episode, there's plenty more to come. Episodes are released fortnightly and hit follow so you don't miss out. And for more goodness from your host, visit the show notes.